With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. And welcome to my brand new second weekly broadcast of Let's Talk TV Live. I am your host, Barbara Barnett, co-executive editor of Blog Critics Magazine, where I also serve as, <clears throat> excuse me, as senior TV and film editor. Um, and also I am the publisher and editor-in-chief of Let's Talk TV blog. So welcome to this special hopefully weekly house rewatch party. Um, we're going to try this out. I've scheduled this for 45-minute show, not my, an hour show like my Monday show, and we're going to see how it goes. Um, I want to give you a little bit of a breakdown about what is going to be happening in the next few weeks on Let's Talk TV. Monday night's regular one-hour broadcast will feature the wonderful goddess of science fiction television, Jane Espenson, who you may know from Once Upon a Time, if you watch that, but you may also know from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Battlestar Galactica, Game of Thrones, Torchwood, the list goes on and on and on and on and on. She is going to be my guest for the full hour on Monday, on January 28th, the following Monday after that. Um, uh, Jerry Weaver, known in the house fandom as uh, Jair, Jair, J-A-I-R, uh, will be joining me to talk about the upcoming February sweeps. She'll talk about Supernatural. I'll talk about Once Upon a Time, Elementary, which, by the way, if you're not watching Elementary and you're a house fan, you should be watching Elementary because it features the writing of the wonderful Peter Blake and also of Liz Friedman. I know Liz Friedman wasn't always the most popular writer in the house fandom, but um, she's she did write some very great house episodes, including one of my favorites, which was Hunting. Um, so uh, she's going to be on the show on the 28th. Um, and then on uh, February 4th, I am going to have a surprise guest. And then in between on Tuesday evenings, we'll be doing our house rewatch. And we're going to be starting with, our um the pilot tonight and what i'd like to do is i hope you'll call in um we are expecting in the studio bobin bergstrom who has said she'd come on the air tonight and be with us um and i'm waiting for her call she's not here yet um but in the meantime please feel free to call into the show you can either skype in there's a little skype button at the top of the screen or you can call in at 718-305-6982. Um, it's been several months now since we've been graced with new house episodes, and a lot of people were feeling some withdrawal after the season ended, after the series ended in May, with the great episode um, that it ended with, a sort of Sherlock Holmes Reichenbach Falls ending. 
Um, and people have been asking me, you know, we really miss house, and what can we do? Can you can we do like a rewatch? Can we do something? And which is why I launched this extra show. I was going to do a series of columns in blog, at Blog Critics and at Let's Talk TV, and then when my show started about three months ago, I came up with the idea of doing this as a weekly radio show. Um, and I hope that you'll join in, and, and if it's a success, we'll keep going. If it's not a success, I'll maybe do one or two more, or a couple of specials. We'll see. Um, but I'd like to see you all, you know, really embrace this idea. So um, I have posted – oh, also, if you are a Once Upon a Time fan, and I'm hoping some of you guys are Once Upon a Time fans, hey, Gabby, welcome to the chat room. Call in and talk to me. Um I put some promo pictures on the on my let's talk com website, promo pictures for next week's Once Upon a Time episode, which looks like it's going to be like really, really amazing. I also wanted to share with you um, that last night's show, which was about spy TV, and we kind of went back through all the great spy series. Overnight, it's been 24 hours now since that show started, we have had something like 12,000 people listen to that interview I did with Wesley Britton. That was amazing um, to see those kinds of numbers. I didn't even get those numbers with um, with uh, Joe Malazzi, one of the executive producers of Stargate, who was on two weeks in a row. So, hey, Gabby, she says hi to me. It works, works, it works. I'm great. I'm glad that you're in the chat room. And please feel free to call in. The number, again, is 718-305-6982. So I wanted to kind of first go over with you guys um, what I was uh, hoping to do with this Tuesday evening show. Um, but first, oh, wait, completely forgot, wanted to remind you um, – Chasing Zebras, the unofficial guide to house, which I wrote, um, has now come out in French. So if you are a French speaker, it is called La Chasse aux Zebras, and I have a copy of it, and it's great. I've read it. I haven't read all of it, but my French is good enough to actually read the translation, and it's really exciting. I think I did better than that with that than I did with the Spanish edition because I do not speak Spanish at all. Um, and I hear tell it is also going to be out in Russian. If it already isn't out, it should be out soon in Russian. So um, the format of the show is I'm going to kind of give a synopsis of um, of the episode. And tonight we're going to kind of talk in more broad strokes about the show, what I really loved about it, um, some of the things that I maybe didn't like about it toward the end, um, and just kind of do some of that. But then I do want to talk about the pilot episode as well. And every week what I'll do is I'll give a synopsis of the episode and the highlights. And then some of the more serious issues the show, that particular episode brought up, how it related to some of the other arcs as the series went on, um, and take calls from you guys, chat with you in the chat room. I won't be typing because I cannot... I am not coordinated enough to type and to talk at the same time. So um, I want you to share with me as well your favorite moments of the series of the episode that we're talking. So I want this to be sort of a party. You know, I want this to be a party. So come on by. 
Uh, Gabby, thank you very much for tweeting that out right now. I just saw that. Um, and come on in and, and give us a call. So if you don't want to call in, you can just type, tell me, guys, what was your favorite episode of season one? Do you have a favorite episode of season one? I have several. Um, my favorite season one episodes, I think everybody's favorite might be three stories. Those of you that are in the chat room, do you agree with me? Three stories. It was just such an amazing opportunity to look under the hood um, of House, uh, how he related to people who weren't at Princeton Plainsboro Hospital. You know, we, ha we have the introduction there of Stacy. We have a huge, huge reveal of House um, talking for the first time about what happened to his leg. Um, one of the things that I really loved about the show and, and I've watched and now, I'm, I'm, as I said, I'm watching Elementary on Thursday nights, which is a great show. Johnny Lee Miller is doing a terrific job at playing Sherlock Holmes in a very modern setting. But one of the things that I really missed, miss about House, uh, not really miss about House and other shows, is even though the show was on its surface, a procedural show. You have a case of the week. You know what's going to happen. You know they're going to go through diagnoses. They're going to have their their whiteboard sessions. They're going to figure out. They're going to make mistakes. They're going to go back to the drawing board. They're going to try some experiments. People are going to get really upset with them. And in the end, in the end, House will figure it out. And that was kind of the outline. And that's the outline of all procedural shows. You can look at elementary and say, okay, they've got their case of the week. Sherlock is going to puzzle it out. He's going to play around with it. He's going to be all angsty about it. Um, in elementary, he's not any longer taking drugs. He's just gone through rehab. Um, and but, but what was different about House, even as far back as the pilot episode, was that it was always about house. In the end, all of the cases really told us about house or one of the other, as the series went on, some of the episodes also told us about the other characters. Uh, even in the first season, you have uh, Damned If You Do telling us about Chase, you know, letting us understand a little bit about Chase. Um, Oh, Gabby says, I have a soft spot for the episode Detox, which was the show that got me hooked on house. Detox is brilliant. You know, when people make their lists of their favorite episodes, um, they don't always list Detox in season one. And I have to say, you know, my first episode, my first house episode was, was um, Cursed. I had heard about the show. I read an article in Entertainment Weekly. And I wasn't watching a lot of TV at the time. And I tuned in Cursed. Now, Cursed, if I were to make a list of my favorite shows, favorite episodes of season one, Cursed wouldn't place in the top ten, let alone be my favorite. But there was something even in that episode that said to me, whoa, wait a second. This is something really, really, truly special. This is an amazing special show 
and it pulled me in. And I think it was on hiatus at the time. So there was a while until there were new episodes. And what happened um, was I asked people in my office, I said, so do you watch House? Have you seen that show House? And a couple of people in my office said, yeah, yeah, we watch it all the time. And I, we actually, I, you know, my, one of my dear friends um, in the office said, yeah, I record it every week. And I was like, okay, so can you give me some episodes? He says, well, I haven't kept them. And the only one I kept was Control, which was on the week, which had been, I think it was, oh, wait a second. That's not what happened. Um, I watched it and I didn't watch the next episode. I missed it. I forgot to put it on like a timer or on my DVR. And I missed Control, which was the next episode. And I got it from him and I watched Control. And that was the second episode. And I, I think that was the one that made me never, ever, ever, ever miss another House episode ever again. Because seeing Control was to me, said everything that there was about the character of House, who he really was, and made a profound statement about his idiosyncratic ethical code. So um, I'm going to go back to what Gabby said, and I've got, I'm taking a look here. Detox made my list as a House classic, and this is what I said. Um, and Gabby, tell me if you'd agree with me, and you can even call and tell me, because Bobbin hasn't arrived, so I'm talking to myself, and I don't like talking to myself. Um, I'm talking to you guys in the chat room, but please call in. Um, anyway, what I said was, a tour de force performance by Hugh Laurie pits House's stubbornness against his team and his need for narcotics. This is the first time the series addresses House's drug use versus pain issue, sorry, drug versus pain issues, raising the question of whether House is really an addict. House admits to Wilson that he is addicted to the Vicodin, but says it's not a problem. He can't give them up because they, quote, let me do my job, they take away my pain. That scene between House and Wilson, just amazing. And the fact that he was able to function he was able to saw what whatever condition he was in in that episode, and he stuck to what he believed. Everyone else told him, "You're out of your mind. You're going through withdrawal," which he was. You can't possibly diagnose. You can't possibly be working. You need to go home. <clears throat> and he was able to continue when he did that autopsy on that dead cat. Well, I mean, I guess you can't do an autopsy on a live cat. But when he did that autopsy on the cat, that just really, that got me. Um, so what happened was, because Detox had already been on uh, when I started watching the show, so I didn't see it live. So what happened was, this was, this was actually great. Thank you, Internet. So what I did was I found the fandom. I saw, after I saw Control, I sought out the online fandom, and I found, <clears throat> um, I can't remember what I found. I found some site, and I found, and now I can't remember her name. She was a fan fiction writer who was also a graduate student at Indiana University, and I can't remember her name right now. She wrote lots of great stories that she didn't finish. 
really long novel length things, but she never finished any of them. Anyway, she had a thing for House and Wilson too. That's but I don't remember her name. So if you remember her name, let me know what her name is because I want to thank her on the air. So what happened was I contacted her and I said, you know, I just got hooked on the show. Do you have any idea where I can find copies of the episodes so far? And I realize I am like 10 episodes behind, but I really need to see some of them. Which ones do you suggest I see? Well, she started listing off the pilot and detox, of course, and um, she histories. And by the time she was done, Socratic method. And by the time she was done listing them all, there was half the, more than half the episodes. So she says, okay, I can upload them to you. And using the old AOL messenger, she uploaded to me really bad copies of the episodes. Each episode took her about 10 hours to upload to me. Talk about dedication. This is why I want to thank her on the air because I can't remember her name. Um, I actually may have mentioned her in the acknowledgments of my book, but I'm not sure, uh, for actually sticking with me and uploading them. Well, finally, I got caught up with most of the episodes, the ones that I really felt I needed to watch, which were the pilot, um, paternity, Occam's Razor, Damned If You Do, maternity, which we'll get to in a couple weeks, assuming we keep going with this, Socratic Method. And then I think we skipped ahead to DNR, which was another favorite. And um, then I think by then, oh, histories, and then and sports medicine. And then we finally got to the one I saw first, which was the 13th episode. So the season was already almost was over half done. Um, and then uh, I was caught up. So it was really um, – really an education for me because I sat down and watched these episodes on my computer, which I didn't have the spiffy computer I have now. And I watched those episodes. I, you, you couldn't pull me away from my computer. Uh, my husband said to me, what are you doing? And I said, I'm, I'm watching this show and I can't get enough of it. So I was really hooked. And I, I actually spent the entire weekend watching um, watching it over and over and over. And Gabby says to me, DNR was the first house episode. What did you think of DNR? I thought DNR, again, just like Detox, just like the best house episodes, told us more about house than they did about the patients of the week. So, which really is, is what, it, what it's all about. So my favorite episodes of season one the pilot, of course, and we're going to talk more about the pilot in detail in just a few minutes. Um, again, please, if you want to talk about the pilot or anything else um, in-house, feel free to call on in. Uh, but my favorite episodes, the pilot, um, maternity, maternity, um, which I did not name as the classic, um, I loved just because of Hugh Laurie's performance in it. Um, Damned If You Do, Socratic Method, which I named as a classic, um, DNR, for sure, uh, Detox, Sports Medicine, which I devoted an entire chapter of the book to. I wrote 
a whole chapter just on, in addition to the entry about the episode, I wrote an entire chapter about how House is written as a series using sports medicine, which was such a great example. Uh, control, and then role model, which now we're getting towards the end of season one. Role model was another one of my favorites. Um, I loved uh, three stories, of course, and its companion, which was Honeymoon. So those were really my favorite episodes of season one. Um, I know that it's like I'm listing almost half of them. But um, so let's talk about the pilot. Let's talk about the pilot for a minute. Um, uh, before I talk about the pilot, let's talk about a little bit about season one. Um, you know, when House was conceived, like all babies are, the parents don't necessarily know what the, sh what the baby is going to look like once the baby is born. And David Shore created a character who is on paper. And I've read a number of the scripts of season one. And the scripts really portray House as a jerk. On paper, he is a jerk. He is not uh, very likable at all. If you simply look at the scripts. Um, so what David Shore had created was a character with very little humanity that was overtly displayed and certainly not there on the page. But what happened was you had Hugh Laurie in the role of House. To me, it, the beauty of it, even though House is an American doctor, the character of House owes his his soul to the great Victorian heroes, damaged Byronic heroes. And he is really a throwback to the Holmes characters and some of the other Byronic heroes. So when you put a character that's a very American, very off-putting, kind of a jerk character in the hands of someone who understands the great tragic heroes of Victorian literature, like anyone who would have gone through university in in uh, the UK would have. Hugh Laurie and also Hugh had a tremendous um, humanity that was just part of him. And you hear it in every interview he ever did. Um, I've never interviewed him. I interviewed mostly everyone else, but not him. Um, but there's a humanity that he brings to that role that is just there. And so you have this incredible marriage between this kind of cranky character and this deeply human, tragic hero. And so David Shore didn't know this at the beginning. But this synergy between actor and role for House was like, and, and other shows have tried to do it over and over and over and over again, and they have failed miserably. Now, Rob Doherty on Elementary is really trying to do that, I think, with um, Johnny Lee Miller's character playing playing Sherlock Holmes. And you see a lot of Sherlock's humanity that you actually don't see on other Sherlock Holmes um, shows. So, so you have, let's talk now, we're going to talk about um, the pilot. Pilot was directed by Brian Singer, who has 
gone on to many other things. And, and Gabby says, Hugh Laurie's great acting was what got me hooked on House. And I think everybody. And he only had his body language um, because, um, oh, because you watched it in German. Of course. Right. I knew that. And so he really only had his body language. And, you know, one of the things, and thank you, you really pointed out something very important, Gabby, um, that so much of what made House, so much of what made House, House, that all that humanity was really between the lines of dialogue. Um, and I always point to, there are two episodes in season one that I always point to when, pe when people say, well, what do you mean by that? The first episode that I point to is maternity. And there's a scene in maternity. Maternity is the episode where there's an epidemic going through infants, newborn infants in the hospital. And um, House wants to try a diagnostic trial, trying two different antibiotics, which the lawyers go ballistic about because they say, well, you can't do a test like this, knowing that half of the patients are going to die. And House says, well, we either do that or all of them are going to die. And Cuddy says, do what you think is best. And he goes to his office and he has a coin, he has a quarter. And all it says in the script is House tosses the coin and decides. In the episode, the way it plays out the agonizing that House does over this coin, over this decision, out of the sight of Cuddy, out of the sight of the lawyers, out of the sight of his fellows, is really, there's no dialogue. All it says is he flips the coin. In that moment of silence, in that act, and the moment before, the beat or two or three before he actually tosses the coin, are 25 in a, in a novel, and I'm actually, I just finished my first novel, yay. It's a medical novel, um, sort of. Um, but in that moment where he's considering that coin toss, there are, there would be in a novel 15 pages of writing. Well, maybe not that much, but at least a page or two of just understanding his emotions. There is nothing on the page of that script that even begins to explain the emotions the way Hugh Laurie is able to do that without one freaking word of dialogue. It's amazing. Hey, Grandma House 2, welcome to the chat room. Give me a call. Please kind of give me a call and, and talk to me. My guest, Bobin Bergstrom, who was supposed to be here, I think she forgot. Um, and um, hopefully she'll be able to join us on a future episode. But um, so I'm all by myself in the studio. So please call the number is 718-305-6982. Now, the other episode that I always point to um, is DNR. And DNR is one of my favorite episodes. But there's a scene and in this episode, there is a patient who has a DNR. He's a jazz musician. And House is a huge fan of this guy. He's a huge fan of this jazz musician. And he's going to die. Well, House doesn't believe he should be dying. He doesn't believe that this guy is going to die, that they've, they've all gotten the diagnosis wrong. And all he needs is to have a little bit of time 
to figure it out. Well, he's got a DNR, which means do not resuscitate. And he goes into an event that by house bringing him back has violated the DNR. Never mind all the legalities of it. So now they're going to pull the plug. They're going to pull the plug on John Henry Giles. And and Wilson and House and, and John Henry's friends are in the room and Cuddy is in the room and Wilson and House are and, 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 and Foreman is in the room and Wilson and House are in the corridor outside of John Henry Giles' room and looking in through the glass because the walls at Princeton Plainsboro are all made of glass. So they're looking in through the glass and they're about to pull the plug and everyone has their eyes on John Henry, including Wilson. Everyone's watching and waiting. House, and you guys have to go back and see this if you don't remember. House averts his eyes. He cannot watch what he believes, I think, is an act of murder because he doesn't have to die. And he averts his eyes. He can't watch this. Everyone else is watching. He can't watch it. That says to me so much about House's humanity. In that one little moment, no dialogue, no interchange, because the next line he says is to Wilson, Wilson says he didn't die. And House says, well, hmm, back to the drawing board or something like that. And it's very off the cuff. It does not speak at all to the amount of angst that is going through Hugh's performance. So I think Hugh understood the character well. And when he started doing interviews, getting into season two, he actually recognized it. He really recognized it. And actually, towards the end of the series, actually called House a Byronic Hero, which I called him one back in season one or two, something like that. But I've always seen him as a Byronic Hero. Anyway, so back to the pilot. So we have the pilot. The pilot could be taglined, you can't always get what you want, part one. Um, it is the great Rolling Stones song. And you can't always get what you want, but sometimes you get what you need. And we have this first episode where we can presume that House has really not seen episodes for a very, very, sorry, has seen episodes, seen patients for a very, very long time. He's got these fellows, they're twiddling their thumbs, they're doing crossword puzzles. And Wilson tricks him into seeing, quote unquote, his cousin, whose name he doesn't even get right, calls her Rachel Adler, um, Rebecca Adler. Totally, totally fools him. Well, not really, because House figures it out by the end and gets him to take this case. And the case itself, I mean, it starts with, like every teaser on House has always started, with the exception of a few towards the end, with the case, the patient of the week, the POTW, um, getting sick. And it goes on, of course, to classic house whiteboard diagnoses and house's metaphor that explains the problem. And then something that they do more in the first couple seasons, but they dropped, which is the um, the special effects of the uh, metaphor, actually, as House is doing his metaphor thing, 
he's kind of, the, the, the special effects are showing exactly what's happening to her because there's a dying tapeworm in her brain. So you have, of course, a lot of the signature pieces of the show. Um, one of the things about the pilot that you really find very rarely in series television, although more nowadays, but less so back then, where the pilot really nails it. It really, really nailed the tone of the show, the tone of the character, the relationships, the interactions. Everything was all very well set. Um, you have the signature breaking into Rebecca's apartment where Foreman discovers the ham in her um, in her refrigerator, which is kind of a kind of a goofy, crazy thing for him to find. He has a ham sandwich. And of course, that leads to the great scene where Foreman confronts Wilson and Wilson is Jewish, which is always fun because I am, too. And it's kind of fun to see uh his kind of Jewish character, although I, I will get, I tell you that House probably knows more about Judaism and Yiddish than Wilson ever will, or Cuddy for that matter. Anyway, so Foreman says to Wilson, you lied. She isn't your cousin. And, ha and Wilson is taken aback. Says, what do you mean she's not my cousin? Of course she's my cousin. You can ask her yourself. I think that's actually in the show episode. And he says, well, she had ham in her refrigerator because and she can't be your your cousin because she's Jewish. She would be keeping kosher. Well, as Wilson says, and as most people know, as most Jews know, um, particularly most Jewish people do not keep kosher. So having ham in your refrigerator is a cool thing. Well, it's not a cool thing for me because I happen to be one of those few that do. So I would never have ham in my my fridge. But Rebecca does. And... It leads Foreman, or it leads House, to the diagnosis because where would she get this tapeworm? She would get it from eating pork products. So it's a very classic episode, but it has in it all those great beats. It has that iconic moment, best moment of the episode, what makes this episode a classic. Um. I always love those episodes and raise your hand guys in the, in the chat room. If you agree with me, those moments where house and the patient have a heart to heart. I've always felt what makes house a brilliant doctor, the best doctor that you would want to have if you were truly ill is that he has walked in those patients shoes. He has been near death. He has been very ill. He carries with him the scars of that illness. He understands more than anyone what those patients are feeling at their worst. And that heart-to-heart -heart talk that he has with his patient, with, with Rebecca, is just um, an amazing conversation. Um, after being, and I'm going to just quote because I have this written down, after being run through House's diagnostic mill, Rebecca wants no more tests. She's done. Although House is now certain it's a tapeworm and it's really a simple fix for her. She has to take the two pills and she's fine, but she's not buying. No more tests. She tells him she just wants to go home and die with dignity. And this is where House passionately argues with her. There's no such thing. 
this is house the passionate physician. This is not house the cynical, I don't care, I don't care about anybody, I don't care about you as a patient. This is house the passionate, The di- he's got the diagnosis. It doesn't matter to him if he is who he purports himself to be. It doesn't matter to him whether she lives or dies, but it does matter to him. It matters to him very deeply. So he talks to her. He leaves her room, allowing her to die. I respect her. I respect what she is saying that she wants to die. And there's a an echo. There's an echo because we don't know until almost the end of that first season that what he the gift that he has given her you've got all the answers you know what's wrong you're choosing to die rather than to go through another humiliating test which it wasn't but you know given that it could be and we get that echo in three stories where that was not given to house something he desperately wanted and Stacy didn't give him that. And that moment, because we don't know that until the end of the season, but how that echoes, don't you think that just really, really echoes um, with three stories, giving Rebecca that gift. So that's a really, uh, really profound moment, in my opinion. Um, and, and Gabby says, uh, and I'm going to repeat you, because people who are listening to this in the archive don't get to see the chat room. That's why it's nice if you guys can call in and talk to me. Um, and what Gabby says is the the conversation between House and Rebecca and the pilot always breaks my heart over and over again while rewatching. I absolutely it brings tears to my eyes every single every single time I see it. There are a few. There are several episodes um, over the season, the entire eight seasons of the series that that just just does it to me. So what else do we find out in this? Um, you know, you have all those great beats. You have the clinic, um, the clinic with the, the the patient with the carrots. And by the way, that episode was a little orange, don't you think? The whole episode was orange. Maybe it was to make the orange man even more orange. But it was classic house clinic. Um, you have manipulative Wilson. How Wilson was always manipulating house. He was the most he was more, much more manipulative than House was, and he could always get House to do things, and he manipulates him into taking the case in the first place. So, um, and we learn House is a jerk, right? House is always a jerk, but every episode has that moment. What's the moment in this episode? He uncovers Foreman's juvenile records and learns that you know, of course, those were closed. He wasn't supposed to get into those. And he doesn't. It turns out he had done a little digging and dug all the way to his old gym teacher. So um, you have really so many of those beats. Um, you don't have a lot of relationshiping, you know, in this episode. You get the comment that House hired, um, and everybody kind of rags on this comment, that House hired uh, Cameron because she's pretty. But that's not what he meant. We all know that, right? That wasn't what he meant. He meant that despite everything that she that she could get just by her look, she didn't. And that's what he valued, not that she could be like a nice piece of art. 
um, there was um, there was so much the banter between House and Cuddy was wonderful there. That spark that really lasted until the day Lisa Edelstein left the series. Um, well, maybe not all the way till when she left the series, <laughs> till probably until uh, mid season seven. Let's just say that um, we hear the first time everybody lies. It's and in fact, huh, here's a little bit of trivia for when, if and when my novel ever gets published. One of the chapter titles is "Everybody Lies," um, but it is a very simple phrase. It has so many meanings. Everybody lies for good, for bad, lies of omission, lies of commission. What a great episode the pilot was. And it still stands. And, you know, I interviewed Katie Jacobs twice during the series run, once during season five and once during season seven. Uh, I interviewed her just before it was announced that Lisa Edelstein was not going to be returning for season eight. And that was a very long conversation that I didn't report all of, but um, it was a very long conversation. But the when I interviewed her back in season five, I asked her, what is your favorite episode? I always ask people that, and they always hate me for it. Um, What's your favorite episode, Katie? And she thought for a minute, and she said, you know, the pilot, pilot, the pilot still stands as my favorite episode. And that was as of mid-season five. Um, I don't know if other episodes, I suspect that Broken um, might have trumped that in season six, but this was as of season five. So, you know, there we have the pilot. Um, What do you guys think of the pilot? Does it rank in your top five or ten episodes? For me, it does. Um, it It will always be great. Um, I watched it again this afternoon just to sort of, you know, get myself um, in the mood for tonight's show. And I'm really sorry that Bobbin didn't join us tonight. Um, I don't know what happened. We've had several conversations up to even yesterday, I think. And I think she just may have forgotten. So we will grab her to come onto the show another time and hopefully some other um, house people as well along the way. Um, what I've been doing since the series ended is I've been following Once Upon a Time, started watching that and writing about it in season seven, season eight, um, have interviewed a great many people from the series. Um, I'm going to have Jane Espenson on my show next Monday, um, and I've really fallen in love with that series, and I have fallen in love with Robert Carlyle, who plays Rumpelstiltskin and Mr. Gold, and he is a brilliant, brilliant brilliant actor. Everything he has ever done is brilliant. Um, And he has become, with Hugh not being on TV anymore, uh, Robert Carlyle is my new TV boyfriend. Sorry, Hugh. Um, But that is almost it for tonight's show. I'm glad that you guys uh, tuned in, came into the chat room, chatted with me a little bit. Um, So what do you think? Should we keep this going? Should we keep going with uh, another episode next week? What do you think? Those of you in the chat room, say yay or nay. Um, I think I'm inclined to do one more week of this and see how it goes. Um, See how many people listen to the archive recording of it. Um, I don't know that it'll be 12,000 like last night's episode got or even the usual 
four or five thousand that my once upon a time broadcasts get. But um, I'd like to see people listen to the show, and I'll keep track of the numbers. Uh, Gabby says, "Keep going." My inclination is to do that. Party, but I want people to call in. I want people to listen. Um, and uh, you know, really, oh, and 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 Grandma House is typing. Oh, what's she going to say? What's she going to say? End it here. End it here. Uh, just kidding. Um, I want to make this a real party, and this is a reminder too that. This broadcast is sponsored by Wireless One Marketing. If you want to keep up with my radio show and my blog, download the app. It's called the Let's Talk TV app. It's available on iTunes. It's available on play.google.com, so you can download it for your iPhone, your iPad, your iPod, um, your Android device of any kind. So... um, Grandma House says, yes, keep going. We'll try to be more prepared next time. You are not unprepared. I just need people to call in and talk to me. Uh, maybe next time I will get um, Jair, Jerry, Jair, J-A-I-R, as she is known in the house fandom, because she said she'd come on as well. So maybe we'll get her to come on next time and, and uh, have someone to talk to actually in the studio. But this is Let's Talk TV's house rewatch party. And we're going to next week and see how it goes. And we will be covering the second episode of House in season one. Till next time, this is Let's Talk TV Live. I am your host, Barbara Barnett. Thanks for tuning in and see you next time. Bye now. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.